So the fact that you can hear your own voice, that's so you purposely for that the over talking of each other. Yeah, so you can over talk. Also, you kind of know how it's going to sound on the other time on the other other side. So you know if uh, when when you're chatting, if you're talking very quietly, you you'll know that you're talking quietly. So then you kind of speak up a little bit. Yeah, and uh, so that you don't talk over each other, and you just you know you can hear how how you're sounding. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I need this for Mark. For Mark and work. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. a good habit of uh, over both. over talking or just talking in general. Both. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, thanks for uh, thanks for coming out today. What um, <coughs> what's on your mind? What are you getting up to? Well, it's been a while that we've had this plan for. Mm-hmm. It's probably been about four months, five months. Yeah, probably. I bought everything a while back. Was so excited to use it, and then work sent me. Uh, across the country and then you've been busy and just we've been having a tough time <laughs> lining this up but i'm glad we finally got to do it yeah there was that uh yeah that kind of when we first met we had that car ride into um into abu dhabi together from al murfa and that was just a real enjoyable fun mm-hmm. conversation so very excited to just talk with you it was the quickest car ride i've had from al murfa to abu dhabi huh? yeah yeah perfect yeah, the the passage of time. Uh, I remember one time I was at like a, a party or something, and I just as soon as you get really into conversation with someone, all of a sudden it was like three in the morning. Everyone else was going to bed, and I'm just sitting there talking. <laughs> but I got a I got rid of a nasty habit to talk a lot, anyways. So, how many people have you have you managed to do this with here? I think this is episode. Oh, what episode is this? Is this episode six? Or five. I think it's episode five. Let me double check here. I've gotten three people back in Canada. And then well, I guess I did two more on the last podcast that I did with, with two people for the first time. But I only had uh, two mics. So we had to like move the mics back and forth. Oh, okay. So if I ever do that again, I think I would try and get another mic if uh, if you know if that becomes a regular thing. So you're probably the sixth person. So yeah, I think we're on episode five, but you're the sixth person. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's okay if there's silence for a bit. There's nothing. No, it's uh, it's it's nice. It's it's uh, it's interesting because I've never done anything like this before. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that I would be interested in probably in the future, especially from for for a career perspective. Mm-hmm. Is this is close to what I do in the form of um, as a profession? You are you know educating people and teaching people. And yeah. I think as Technology moves on. We're going in more to, into online platforms, more into digital. So not only should you be able to, and it's something I was thinking about today, is maybe I should get involved in or see how how hard it would be to learn how to build and code to build your own systems. You know, your own um, competency management systems. And mm-hmm. but then on top of that, you you want your own platform for for obviously e-learning and stuff like that. So this would be something that, if I was to do that, maybe you would be uh, something that you'd have to bring people in and record them and make them, you know, give them the uh, the opportunity to, to video so we can store it on a digital platform and then you can transfer it out. So it's, the, you know, a, a more modern form of, of teaching. So we don't do that at the moment. Maybe that's going to be something going forward because of the likes of the amount of inductions that we have to do. Mm-hmm. You can digitize it, you know, and then this can be a platform for it. So maybe I'm going to start getting involved with it. I have got involved with media companies in the past, yeah, but it's been totally outsourced. 
Now, if you could do the whole thing and bring it in-house, maybe that'd be something that we could work with for digital content, you know, so same as anything, a video. Um, I think the, the teaching environment is very similar to Discovery on, on Sky, you know, the, on, the, on, the, uh, on cable, because it's education and it's video. Then if you can make it a video, you can use it more times and you, know, you can sell it and you can subscribe it. So I'd like to make some digital content in the future. So this is the first induction to, to doing anything like that. Yeah, and you don't even have to do video or anything visual. Like it could be completely audio based. Because uh, when you think, when I think about teaching and instructing, um, obviously nothing will be better than actually doing it in person. Because then you gotta get to see, like as an instructor, you get to see is this person catching on. You get to ask them questions and stuff. But the 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 other side of it is like the material, the, the material in and of itself. The material could be in a written format in a textbook could be in a bit more of a visual format of a, a slideshow, even though we've probably abused uh, PowerPoint presentations significantly uh, over the last 20 years, uh, maybe more. And then um, the, yeah, the, those are kind of the, and then you got the, the audio for um, hearing uh, information being spoken to you. But the, the, the classroom setting, setting piece was uh, probably just a, what, what, that, what that gives you above and beyond the information is just confirmation and then uh, a little bit of engagement. And then the, the instructor is always a bit of a leadership uh, mm -hmm. position too. So they can kind of influence you to get a little bit more excited uh, and maybe tailor things a little bit better for you. But no, if you, if you continue, um, if you are interested in that um, at the very least, like the nice thing is that when you, when you have platforms available to put it on already, or um, if you pay someone to make a website for you, all you got to do is create the, uh, the, the media, mm -hmm. um, which there's a lot of software out there. I mean, for this, I just uh, record it, and then I use um, OpenShot to create the video that I put on YouTube, and then I just put a, like a little banner um, that you can see for the whole episode. And then I use uh, Audacity or Audio City. I don't. I can't remember how you're supposed to say it, but um, to to just I just chop off the ends of the podcast and then and then upload it on. So it's it can be very easy. And if you're doing an instruction piece, you can either have a PowerPoint beside you and have a you know a video camera at you, or you could um, just put a PowerPoint presentation up and then talk over it and then click as you're talking. Sections. Going through. Yeah, yeah. Just so record it that way. So how did you learn how to do the editing? Did you just do it through trial and error, or did you help, did you follow? PowerPoints, what did you follow, uh, YouTube videos? Uh, trial and error. When I was younger, I was a bit more creative with uh, creating, well, things for enjoyment. So I, I actually, there's a there's a song uh, by the Zac Brown band called Chicken Fried. And I created a PowerPoint presentation that you just had to click start. And it, you know, it would change slides automatically based on seconds. And then I created a little like uh, word art characters um that kind of like portray the song as the song is playing so uh but i don't really do that with this um i i once tried using uh i, I should probably figure out what the program is called but uh, audacity or audio city um before because i wanted to try and like create music and stuff but it was a lot harder than i thought particularly at the time that i was thinking of doing that so then it kind of went away but i was able to like have uh, sections of, of audio and be able to cut and move it. So I, I actually was always a little bit interested in 
you just kind of put a program in front of me and uh, I kind of figure out what the tool should be and and then and then do that. Yeah. So where do you see? Obviously, you've been doing this for a while now, and I know it's an in, something that you're interested in. Mm-hmm. So where do you see this developing over the next? Because uh, pod- podcasting is, is new in its probably trend, but it's um, it's quite old in its. You know, the people who podcasted years ago before it was so trendy, maybe like, say, 10 years ago, the likes of the, the Joe Rogan podcast and, you know, the, there's a few other people who did podcasts. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it exploded about 2016. So, you know, they've been doing it for five or six years before. Yeah. So where do you see this going? And would you, would you if, it, if you found any niche or you found anything that you could tailor it to, do you think that there's a, as a as you were like a hobbyist? Or would you like try and do this on a, on a, on a way where it became more you know you become more if it become more popular that it become like you know more business orientated is it something that you'd like to do with it uh honestly no um <laughs> i i i would say more hobbyist um at the very least i wouldn't change this like i uh, i do like optimizing my work but i feel like if i'm optimizing this it, it won't be optimal for my enjoyment mm-hmm. so I, I try to set this up with as little maintenance as possible um, and I, the format is just talking with people and, and having fun and having a good time. And I think that, you know, if it, if it takes off, it'll be because people find this and enjoying just listening to me talking to someone about whatever it is that we want to talk about. But if it, um, if it doesn't, that's fine too. I'm going to like, the plan is just to do this for as long as I enjoy it. Cause if it does take off and then I stop enjoying it. I'm just gonna stop doing it anyways. So I think I, th- you know, w- would I want it to take off? I mean, sure. I think that would be a great way to meet lots of lots of people. Because once you got, you know, uh, I think once you're a little bit known, you know, so to say, like people literally go out and they do the podcast circuit. So someone like Michael Malice, who's like an anarchist, right? He'll go on uh, Joe Rogan podcast, and then he'll go on um, uh, Andrew Huber. I don't think he was on Andrew Huberman, but he was on. Um, uh, who's the guy who's like he's really smart he does ai stuff lex friedman lex friedman yeah he went and did lex friedman uh, that was actually a really good one they did one over christmas and and they start doing rounds in the same way that they do like talk shows that they used to do talk shows so i know though that like um the the hollywood aspect is still very much on like talk shows going on tv but some writers and some more like i would say uh in- intellectual creatives and I just mean when I say intellectual I don't mean these guys are smart I just mean they write books or they do research you know they're they're not actors um they're they're not some of them are artists um there was a really good podcast on the Joe Rogan where he had this artist guy who spent some time in Africa that was really cool but um you know I just think like the way this this medium works is that those are the types of people that are interested in going around and if I ever got a chance to just talk to them that would be pretty cool but um, with that um, welcome to the Canadian specific podcast my name is Jaden Marshall um, and I'm here talking to John O'Brien who uh, I've met through work but we're not going to talk about work John why don't you kind of introduce yourself a little bit Um, um, John O'Brien from the UK from the northwest of the UK where the accent is uh, is quite noticeable, um, quite unique, and uh, quite hard to follow by m- many different uh, other nationalities. 
Uh, especially when you when you work overseas and you you think that you're going to go to a different countries to improve your language ability, and then when you realize is all you do is make other people speak better English because if they can understand <laughs> me, they can understand uh, anything really. So that's been that's been my uh, history over over the last ten ten plus years where I've I've worked in different countries and I've um, I've met a lot of people from a lot of different walks of life, and uh, all I've done is make their English better. Yeah, and you, you it was all railroads the last 10 years in various countries. Well, I love that word, railroads. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you guys it. say rail, uh, railway. railway. Or, yeah, yeah, no, I, rail. I prefer the railroad. Yeah, honestly. railroad. Yeah, Especially yeah. with the drawl. Yeah. It's a railroad. I don't even have that much of a drawl. Yeah. But um, your, yeah, I, what I find really funny or fascinating about the UK is how how small the UK is but how different all of you sound because there <laughs> at work there's there's you and, and a bunch of others but all of you sound distinctively different i know that you're all from the uk but i genuinely have no idea where from the only people who i can i think i can actually tell are the the scots theirs is a very it, even the scots don't all sound the same but i think that's the, really the only one i can pick out because there's someone that we 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 work with that um when I when I talk with him, he sounds like the orcs from the Lord of the Ring. Like that's that's why did I associate that <laughs> accent with? Is is the orcs from the the Lord of the Rings? It, it was funny because like you know that's the medium that I was exposed to this. Um, because and then you guys, so you guys usually call yourselves like the the United Kingdom, correct? Versus yep. like you, would you ever say Britain or? Um. I would say, I don't mean it depends what your probably what there's a, there's a, there's differences from different people from different parts of the UK. So if mm -hmm. you were from if you were a royalist mm -hmm. or if you were uh, you know some kind of uh, you would say you were English, you'd say English probably. If you were yeah. if you were a royalist and you were from Scotland, you'd probably say you were from you know, Great Britain or Great Britain. Okay, there's probably a few arms. Um, because yeah, you got you got Great Britain, <laughs> Britain. And then British, and then you've got the United Kingdom, and then I don't think there's any th any thing other than just United Kingdom, and then you got, um, and and then you guys are you know Northern Ireland, uh, English, Scottish, Welsh. I don't have any real um, linkage to the Northern Ireland. You know, mm -hmm. more so I'd have more of a linkage to the Republic of Ireland because that's where the we we traced my roots back to and. O'Brien's an Irish name, and you know it's that's a lot of people come over from Ireland, from from the Republic of Ireland to the UK in the in 1901, I think it was, with the potato famine. Mm -hmm. And what they did is they came over and they kind of colonized the the northwest of England because obviously it's very it's parallel to where we you know it's just a direct boat ride across. Okay, Liverpool was a major port, so we have a we have kind of. Uh, if you look around people you can tell you, know, you can tell people are Irish you know you can you can say these definitely like 90% of most people you'll see in the UK you can see they've got some Irish heritage so are, is that because of how they sound or how do you tell if someone's Irish so I didn't realize this until I lived in Africa and I was remember I was looking at like you know uh, black people in Africa and I was like okay well ah, he's Nigerian mm -hmm. tell the Nigerian very Mike Tyson kind of you know heavy set like the hair is very sort of you know just the, the heads are a certain shape and then you could say, okay, well, these people are very like Somalian looking, mm -hmm. you know. And then you can tell South African people are slightly mm -hmm. more slender looking. Um, mm -hmm. And then as you get into the central parts of Africa, you know, the the skin tone is so dark that it like it literally absorbs light. You know, you can mm -hmm. see the color tone of people. 
And I remember thinking, well, I don't, didn't really, wasn't really, uh, wasn't ignorant, but I didn't have that kind of awareness of, you know, Africa from being inside Africa. You know, no one yeah. like African people from Africa. So everyone that came from Africa was of some African descent. And for me, it was like, you know, where you have blonde people or you have like short and tall people. Mm-hmm. So I remember looking, going, that's I can tell now different regions of Africa. I can tell whether they're, they're more centralized or the west or the east side. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking in the mirror, my hair grew back a bit longer. Well, I don't look very English. Mm-hmm. And I was like, definitely don't look English. And definitely know, obviously, I've got some Irish and Scottish in me. So I was like, mm-hmm. maybe I should do a, G- a gene test when I get back home. So mm-hmm. a couple of years later, I did the gene test. And uh, I, it was pretty, um, to be honest, it wasn't It wasn't a uh, shock to me. When mm-hmm. I came back, it said you were 90 two or 94 percent irish Scottish really Scottish. yeah 94 percent, and then four percent um italian and i think okay. the other two percent was uh finnish which is probably viking because yeah. vikings invaded everywhere yeah they were everywhere yeah so i remember thinking okay well that's i thought it was because it shows you on a map and it gives you a big stretch streak streak across the map and i thought oh, okay well so I'm, I'm basically british you know that's what it means yeah. it's only a couple of days later when i looked down there scrolling down it went and it had all the 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 countries that I wasn't so it was like you were zero percent you know uh, um, African you were zero percent like from and it was you were zero percent English and I was like what none non non English mm-hmm. I was like whoa so I was like I thought this so I went back to the top and said no you are you are Irish Scottish and Welsh mm-hmm. and that's a gene pool that they take because obviously the west coast of uh, of Irish and Scotland there was there was kind of a very small like causeway. Mm-hmm them so there's a lot of irish and scottish for going back and forward um irish people obviously genuinely have a darker hair so there's like a, i mean you could you, you'd probably follow the same colors as an irish person mm-hmm. scottish people can vary but there's a lot of like red-haired people in scotland a lot yeah. of um lighter skin you know stuff like that um and then you look at the the welsh people as well there's a lot of welsh people with dark hair um so it looks very could look irish as well it's slightly different with welsh hair, but there's a lot of dark dark-haired welsh people and I was quite intrigued by that because I remember thinking, okay, I'm zero percent English. It's like well, I didn't didn't expect that, but I mean, I thought there would be a bit of English in there. So I have more of an affiliation not with England, and also Liverpool is doesn't class itself as English. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a uh, a non. It's not a non formal, um, but it's it classes itself more as 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 a. A republic or something that is a bit you can see sometimes you see banners and the republic of liverpool and it's not obviously it's still integrated into the uk but yeah yeah in the 1980s uh the conservatives managed the the decline the, there was a managed decline of liverpool literally publicized managed decline of liverpool because what, what does that mean so basically the government which was margaret thatcher yeah managed the decline of liverpool so they'd stopped funding liverpool and they were basically just letting it rot and um is that because did you guys have a lot of unions there or something or? kind of liverpool okay. is uh is had what, what was very famous as a dock so it had okay. dockers, had a lot of dockers so you go back about 150 years ago you, yeah you've got dockers and cartman and they were like the main um the main employers and i, mean, I might be i might be not 100 percent with this but they were a main employer for people so you would leave school and you'd become a docker or you become a cartman and mainly the dock so it was a very uh early 90s that the docks got closed down yeah. Um, and there was a lot of a lot of publicizing Liverpool Football Club. People would take the top off and uh, under the shirt they would have like CK and their uh, first Calvin Klein. But it wasn't CK. It was it said Dockers and the CK was mm-hmm. the, 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 the written into the Dockers. So it was like 
there was a lot of, uh, and I had family that worked around the docks. It was you know, a major port, Liverpool. And obviously that, that changed over time. I mean, it was the major port from, it was the closest place from America. Mm-hmm. So it was the main port. And it even stems back to the Beatles. Yeah. The Beatles were far ahead of the times because like in the 1960s, they, uh, one of the Beatles' fathers worked on the docks. Yeah. And he got access to records, you know, from like black music and, uh, you know, American jive and jazz and all stuff like that. And he'd bring the records home and he'd play them, you know, in the house. So oh. that was the influence behind the Beatles come from the docks, come from America. Yeah. And if you listen to a lot of like, uh, like uh, the Beatles early songs, mm-hmm. very American, American and um, tone to it, you know, the, like the hippie, hippie shakes and all that. Like it's, it's mm-hmm. proper jive. It's proper like, you know, it's, uh, it's um, 19... 50s music it's, yeah. it's highly influenced that's interesting the the americans influenced the british invasion of, yeah. of the hair metal bands as well as the uh yeah. as the beatles wow so liverpool had a lot of talent come out of it over the last hundred years yeah you know you look at um like the likes of the beatles footballers um arts there's quite a lot of people that are you know it's been it's not as, as influential as it was years ago but like there's a lot of from a small city with now about a million people in, it's got quite a deep heritage, and that heritage is quite confined by the by the limits of the city, not the limits of the city, but the limits of the you know the the, the area. I mean, and if you going back to the earlier conversation about um, about dialogue, mm-hmm. dialects, and you know, and language and and areas, if you literally, so I I live about twenty minutes inland from Liverpool, yeah, and literally hundred meters from my house is kind of the border to what is Wigan. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it might be 100 but it's it's, it's within the hundreds of meters it's not in the miles yeah less and than a kilometer yeah yeah i'm literally like you could throw a stone that far so as i where i live and i'll show you on i'll show you on the map yeah you literally look this road passes through like it literally passes through, goes around like that and if you obviously there'd be a blurred line somewhere because you know there's no just like you live that side and we live this side yeah so you'll have people with a different accent living in our street but if you literally go say you travel a, a kilometer inland you're in wigan and the dialect and the accent is profoundly different, massively different. That's wild. It's insane. Yeah. And, and my my theory on this is, um, obviously, you work in a, in a you lived in a town, and these the, where I live now would have been built over the last fifty years. So mm-hmm. what you had is you had Liverpool, and then you had like a road area and a big road. So mm-hmm. people kind of you could have been a, a kilometer away, but people would have stayed this side, you know. Um, and what you had is you had these towns and these towns evolved very close to each other. Mm-hmm. And they all revolved around a mill or a dock or, you know, stuff like that, the Industrial Revolution. So they all kind of stick together. And that language was, you know, didn't change much. Um, major cities got in, in, an influx of different colors. So like we had a Chinese come over at some point. We had uh, black people come over in the 70s to Liverpool, mm. which was started the Toxteth riots and stuff like that. Um so and then Polish people and Eastern European people came over in the two thousands because mm-hmm. so there's there's that kind and you can see that now in my, my my when my kid went to primary school, they would say this word and I can't remember the word but there was a very weird pronunciation on it. Mm-hmm. And what we realised after a while was this this is because they're they're in a classroom with Eastern European children. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's you know you can see the change in it. So ah, uh, because they're yeah, they're yeah. learning how to talk from each other. Yeah, so yeah. They're, they're picking up this how they pronounce it. So there's there's you know there's quite a few. Whereas when I was at school, there was an odd uh, black child. There was an odd Chinese. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was an odd um, Indian. Well, I, I got a I got a funny story about this. So growing up, I had uh, in in kindergarten, we we had a, a, a Chinese classmate. I only had him in kindergarten. Uh, that was it. But uh, his um, his name was uh, Rory, and he's from China. And uh, you know, I, I I just went to class, 
with him, and you know, he, that's how he introduced himself, and that's what we called him. Um, and then uh, I only found this out probably like five or ten years ago, so a long time after. But I guess what happened is one time when we were they, they own the Chinese food restaurant, so all across uh, the the prairies of uh, Alberta, Saskatchewan, Manitoba, every small town has a Chinese food restaurant that makes uh, Western Chinese food, um, and this was the family that owned this one and we went to uh we went to get it and like i know i know rory so we kind of like play together and he's got a room where he kind of um i don't know if he was living there or not but he just, so there was there was a room where he he got to be in while his parents were working and it turns out his name was not rory it was lori but his parents could only pronounce it as rory so he thought his he knew how to spell his name as Lori, but he thought his name was Rory, and so everyone called him Rory because of a mispronunciation because of the, uh, the his parents' accent. This now makes me think because I went to school with a uh, one Chinese yeah kid in the year above me yeah his name was also Rory really yeah his name was probably Rory. Lori. <laughs> <laughs> I might just run that through Facebook now just to check. So oh my goodness! Uh, just let me check. Yeah, yeah uh, go ahead. But yeah, I um my theory on a lot of this is I think that like the first accent you get is your parents, right? And then you get influence from the other kids that you interact with, but there's also the influence of um like uh I guess really TV would be the big one. Um, whether you you know you watch like the Wiggles or or whatever you watch, but because there's a there's an accent it's called the Valley Girl accent that for some reason like took over a significant amount of North America, Canada, and the U.S. A lot of areas the, the accent came out of like um, uh, the 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 California kind of Valley area, and then it just there's like a couple girls that had it that were acting in like these Disney movies and tv shows and stuff and then it just like swept across and now there's all these people who aren't nowhere from there and they don't know anyone who ever came from there but they got the they got this accent now from i'm pretty sure it's from watching tv and stuff and but it's it's uh it's that particular valley girl and it's only girls who get it like it's not not guys for for some reason i have uh, um experienced that as well so Going back to where, why the why the UK, I reckon has so many different accents. Yeah. Whereas different countries have different languages. Yeah. I think that we still evolve very close to each other. So it's the one language. So going back to South Africa, because the country's so big, and you know everyone was spread out different different locations. So you had like Durban, Johannesburg, you have you know Cape Town. The languages are similar, mm-hmm. but the, for me, they're obviously the different different languages. So you got coastal languages different types of coastal language, but they evolved that far enough apart from each other that they, they became separate languages. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just the, the demographics of it. Um, I did see a, a very strange um, thing I noticed after my time in South Africa. And that was, um, what was um, sorry, I'm drinking the, uh, the fizziest water you can find. So nice. I um, so I am, uh, I remember there's a, a young lady uh, named Faith, and I think she would have been about 24. Mm-hmm. So I'm probably like 31, 32. And um, she'd come in some days just dressed in like, you know, jeans and a T-shirt and blah, blah, blah. And then the next day she'd come in in very colorful, like those pictures on the wall, very colorful um, African dress. Yeah. And she would speak in, in, you know, in the mother tongue. And then she would flip into, into what sounded like Beyonce. 
because her her English that she oh. hears is from popular culture. Yeah. Know? So there was that there was an American twang with yeah. the accent, and yeah. it, that's what it's like. So you can find like some people can speak very very good English accents mm-hmm. without ever being to England, and mm-hmm. um, and also you've got people like Americanized by the the amount of TV they watch and stuff. And mm-hmm. what I did, uh, I also went to Germany once, and we met a, a lady. And he, she had a second name, which was very, very English. It was like Brown or something really, really, um, really not German. Um, and I remember thinking, oh, so this lady works in this, in this German training center within, you know, DB, and, 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 and her accent was fabulous. Like she looked, mm-hmm. sounded like Kira Knightley. It was like the best English English accent. Mm-hmm. And I was saying, so how long have you been in Germany for? She went, oh, my whole life. I was like, really? <laughs> really? And what? I was like, yeah. I was like, so where did you get the accent from? And she yeah. went, because obviously Germans speak phenomenal English. So she went, my, my, my English teacher was uh, was also a classical music teacher as well. Mm-hmm. So not only did she make me say the words in English, but she made me pronounce them as certain, you know, pitch and tone. And it was oh. fabulous, yeah. So, so we, we don't have that. We, we, were ne- we were never, uh, we never had the, what's the word for, um, allocution for it. Like we never had that, um, you know, we never had, we never got taught how to speak English. Yeah, I think that's one thing. You know, we we don't get we get taught to read and write English, but we never get taught to speak English mm-hmm. from a young age. So I think English being English is a very it's a very lazy um, situation because you go to different countries and everyone speaks English mm-hmm. or they want to speak English because yeah. they always speak one language plus. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when you go to places where you speak English, it becomes a default language. So yeah. I believe even in Germany now, within within like say the you know the industry. They just speak English in, in office spaces. So like really? Yeah. So the whole of DB in Berlin speaks wow. English. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I um like when I first came here, I was you know interested. Oh, maybe I can learn Arabic. But there's no, you know, there's no real. I mean, the the reason to learn it is to learn another language and you know to kind of expand your mind. But I would have to to actively seek out opportunities to speak that because the other thing too is everyone who's here is going to want to practice. Yeah. English so you know that they're going to want to speak English like people who are actively learning English they want to speak English with you and like it's 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 almost like you know it's uh I mean I'm very blessed to have you know born with my is it called lingua franca as uh English maybe that's not the right word use of that word but um yeah obviously I (laughs) I didn't learn English either (laughs) I was born with it but um they yeah, just there, there's a lot of benefits to being able to speak English, and then now if I if I want to learn something else, it's 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 a bit harder. At least here, if I went to a like a country that actually didn't have industries that that or, or didn't cater to English, so non-vacation area, uh, like a non-travel destination, and uh, just like a, a just a local population that doesn't speak English then yeah obviously I'd have to learn how to pick it up and then it would be like most others but there's so much opportunity for me to travel and and work and just never speak anything other than English I think that it's it's the same as anything you don't grow unless you're put in difficult situations mm-hmm. and because you keep can keep speaking comfortable language you know mm-hmm. with people then that, that situation is never is never you never put in a position I thought that I would I would always struggle with language. Um, only when I, 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 what my time in South Africa, towards the end of the project, which was the first year, I started to be able to understand Afrikaans. Really? Mm. Holy smokes. But literally at the very end of the, of the project, within like, yeah. it would be in the project that started, say, I, I arrived in September. 
and we're talking maybe the following July, August, yeah. something like that. So I started, um, and I remember really being at a, a, a work function, and um, it was the strangest thing because it's only ever happened once to me. Uh, a lot of Africana guys talk, I was, I was massive, you know, they're, they're talking away, and I walked past them, and it was like someone tuning a radio in, mm-hmm. and I could understand what they were saying. And I remember looking at them and then replied in English, and they were like, <laughs> how long have you been able to understand us? I was like, that's ages. Like, <laughs> it was just literally then. It was literally then. And that was the end of the project. That was the project closeout. So everyone went back. And then you can you know you go back to working in smaller groups and yeah. speaking English. So so there was that time. And then there was also a time where about a year ago, I, I went and visited Saudi Arabia. Yeah. Obviously, Saudi Arabia, I mean, Dubai compared to Abu Dhabi is 40 minutes away. And mm-hmm. it's, it feels different. Saudi Arabia feels different as well. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, a lot more a lot more integrated. So obviously Saudi Arabia doesn't have the 90% of expats that you know that we have here in, in the yeah. UAE. So so obviously if you're 70% population is Pakistani, um, Indian and you know people from Sri Lanka and stuff, they all speak English. The locals speak English, we speak English, the Germans speak English, so that's the common ground. I think there's 33 million um, million Saudi um, Saudis. Mm-hmm. So obviously it's it's just it's just like any other country. So the Saudis do the you know the low paid jobs, the middle paid jobs, the high paid jobs. Okay. And everyone's speaking Arabic, and I spent a week there. Yeah. And I could feel the language. I could feel it being a lot more easy to like you know to it was a, the, there was a, the volume of the of the and the frequency of the language being spoken around me. I thought if I was here for a few years, this would become something I would I would be more you know involved with. Mm-hmm. Um, because I do think it's frequency and uh and volume. I think it's the the amount of Arabic you, you listen. And somebody did say to me, if you want to learn Arabic, you go and sit with a certain person and talk for hours for a day. Mm-hmm. And then you'll learn Arabic. So I think it's just one of those things that if you are around it long enough, it seeps in. I think mm-hmm. it's it's not something that you you probably learn. I think it's once you get once you get so many words of it, I think then once you, you get enough words that you can, you know, probably clumsily um bounce them off then then obviously that that would that becomes i think you can't just sit there and listen to it. i think you've got to give it as well you've got to talk back and forth and it then becomes a little bit more fused but i i think that um obviously there's a very chance to go and work in saudi arabia i think that would be one of the things that i'd, I'd remember is that i, I might get more culture because mm-hmm. obviously we're in, a, we're in a very uh obviously it's a it's a beautiful country and it's it's got it's got culture but it's so fused by different nationalities that mm-hmm. it's kind of this weird kind of uh culture was mixed so so mixed you know, so you can, um, but, but to go to a country, country where it's it's heavily, heavily populated by one specific, you know, a nationality, I think that you would, uh, I think you, the language would definitely improve, I think, because I'm still struggling to basic hello and goodbye. And <laughs> yeah, I, um, I was also told that it, it really helps if you, uh, if you date a local, <laughs> they can really improve your uh, chances of learning the, the local language. There's a few, there's a few people, uh. Uh, in work, um, it's a couple of guys that work close to you, are multi multilingual. You know, yeah. they've got. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I said, "How did you guys learn to speak?" Oh, I, my girlfriend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's uh, yeah. Even people that I know back home that speak more than one language, there's always a spouse or something. Well, my my wife, uh, she visited in January, and uh, I was quite quite happy that people said that um, that she uh, she sounds a lot more um, heavy with the accent than me. Okay. Which was nice because um, I'm not a big fan of the accent where I come from, but um, my friends back home said to me as well a couple of times, "Oh, you sound, you sound different. You know, mm-hmm. Being outside the country for 
six or seven years. Yeah. I must take it. You know, must I think I still have the obviously the accent still you know it's prominent, but it's not as thick as what mm-hmm. it was. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. I mean, to me, it sounds still pretty uh, <laughs> pretty thick. I uh, we'll we'll see what happens with me. I I mean, my uh, the way that we speak uh, English in the prairies, I, I kind of describe it as a, like it's a bit more lazy. It's very low, very slow. I don't any you know if it's something that's hard to pronounce, I, we are not we're probably not pronouncing it properly. Like um, the T's with D's, so like instead of saying butter, I say butter. Um, a lot of a lot of stuff like that. Even um, who, who, what was I saying earlier? Uh, I think it was oh um, how I I was talking with someone and they said that when I say Bob, I, it's not Bob, it's Bob, a little bit more like it's like almost like when I say Bob, it's almost like when you say kebab, mm. but it's it's but it's also to me it's I'm not saying uh, it doesn't sound quite the same. It, it was very strange. I mean, I'm doing it right now, and I, I can hear that it it doesn't sound like when other people that are speaking English around me are saying Bob. Yeah. It, it, they, I say it a little different, which was it was very didn't know this until an Australian guy said uh, that something I said sounded very Canadian. And I, 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 I literally had no idea what he had said. So I had to ask another Australian <laughs> to, uh, to help me translate the phrase, like what is it about this doesn't sound, uh, sound the way that you would say it. There's a couple of uh, words <coughs> that I would uh, I refrain from saying to mm-hmm. other people. Yeah. Um, even with people from different parts of the, of the UK, because they'll repeat it back to me. So the first thing they'll do is repeat it back to me. So if I say like, uh, burger, <laughs> <laughs> they'll say i'll say can i have a burger and they'll go they'll, the, the person will go excuse me and i'll go yeah. burger yeah and they'll go and then someone will whip me or that one of my friends will go burger or, like, <laughs> or it's uh chicken what it's chicken oh yeah, chicken i have to really be careful when i say them two words right so if i ask for chicken burger be like <laughs> yeah people will be especially uh the people like uh you know they only they only live within like 30 miles you know about 60 miles of me yeah but from the language, it doesn't it doesn't go well. And I remember yeah. some German people used to pull me up on it and go, uh, "It's like gun, gun as well. It's like it's a gun. It's not a uh, it's it's like gun. gun, not gun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gun. Like that's what it's got. Yeah. A, it's got a gun and almost gun. like gone. Yeah, so you should say, "I'm gonna go to the gun shop." <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah. uh, for for me, you guys say uh, depot. I love and, depot. And I yeah depot. I love depot. Why love would you? That. Yeah, I love route. R- route or route instead of route. I like, yeah, I like route. Yeah, roll road. I, I just think that's so much more. I, 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 yeah, I don't. I even. I, I think I switch between root and route, though. Yeah, I like. See, I like. Uh, I like Americanisms. And, yeah. And, and people said I was American. Oh, history and blah blah blah. But it's got probably one of the, the biggest histories for me because it's what you grew up with. I mean, you mm-hmm. grew up with American TV. You grew up with. Uh, they they are the number one exporters of culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and what really highlighted this to me wasn't even necessarily the American culture. Like we got a colleague, or I got a colleague that I work with. And um, from Brazil, and Brazil now has more Portuguese speaker than por- Portugal, and mm. they're the ones who are creating the TV shows and, and a lot of music and stuff that then gets exported back. So now all the young people uh, in Portugal are picking up the slang of, uh, of Brazilians, and so and so that's an interesting thing that's not about English. And then when it comes to like American culture being exported, like. One of the ways that I'm able... So we got a game here. It's called Hughes and Clues. 
Uh, it's pretty fun, but it is amazing how much easier it is to play with your friends and family from home than it is with just, even if, if you and I played this game right now, the words that you would use to describe color, we might not be able to agree on a lot of uh, what a color or what something looks like. Um, and the only way I managed to sort of figure out how to play this with other people was um, uh, American TV shows. So if I wanted to describe a shade of yellow, I would say SpongeBob, right? Or if I wanted a shade of pink, maybe I say um, Patrick Star. But it it was so. But I have, and then and then even beyond that, I can I can meet someone who grew up in a completely different part of the world, and we can talk about like SpongeBob episodes or Pokemon, or or stuff like that, like just things that were on TV during roughly our time. Or, or even if like my if my younger brother was somewhat interested in this, like, or or they had a younger brother or an older brother that was into something that I I was interested in, it's now now there's like a collective, a bit more of a collective culture, which like it's an Amer it's American culture and they're the ones exporting it. But I can actually relate to someone from the other side of the world at least a little bit, and we now have something to talk about. You're gonna struggle with that soon one day, uh, yeah. Because what's gonna happen one day is you're gonna say to somebody. You know that color yellow, SpongeBob yellow, and they're yeah. gonna go, "Who's SpongeBob?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're gonna, I'm go, gonna get old. You don't know who SpongeBob <laughs> is, and they're gonna go, "No." And uh, and that's uh, that's ha happening with me now. Oh, is it? Yeah, it's happening yeah. with me. Yeah. I still have, uh, even even now. I mean, uh, I I say things and guys I work with, because normally people I work with are always old, always have been older than me. Mm -hmm. Um, and they'll say, I'll say something, and I go, "How do you remember that?" Mm -hmm. I go, "Yeah, so only yesterday that somebody said to me." Do you remember cassettes? Mm -hmm. said, yeah, of course. I said, how, yeah. old you, how old do you think I am? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm 40 years old. I said, yeah. I remember cassettes. I said, I remember cassettes till I was about 12 or 13. And even then, even 16, 17, because you could, you know, you record off the radio on a cassette. Mm -hmm. And because you could re-burn over a cassette, but you can't re-burn over a CD. So I said, yeah, how old do you think I am? Mm -hmm. But there's actually, like, my kids now are, like, 14 and 12. And they would, if I give them a cassette, I don't know whether they would actually identify what that is. They wouldn't know what it is. I don't know. I mm. don't know, and I, I obviously they know what a CD is. I think, mm -hmm. but I think yeah, they should yeah, know what a CD. CDs is. didn't last long in in the, in the uh, evolution. You know, I think CDs were around really? from yeah, because cassettes. Well, were it went digital so quick. Yeah, I it guess. went digital because yeah. not only did it go digital, but it went into the MP3 players. Remember those? Those mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. I had one yeah. like a hard drive. Well, they went to you went Walkman yeah. to MP3, and the Walkman was only around. Yeah, the Walkman oh. wasn't around for very long. But the the MP3 player was around even less, wasn't it? Because it went straight then to like... Um, your phone. Yeah, your phone. Because yeah, the MP3 player only came out probably a couple of years before the iPod. And the iPod was a couple of years before the iPhone. And then now it's all phones. So the iPod must be must be mid-2000, is it? Uh, so that's an easy thing. I feel like 2006, Six, 2008. Yeah. I think uh, my wife had the iPhone 1. Okay, the very first 2008, one. 2009. Okay, yeah. That makes sense. And I was fascinated because when you could just roll the screen. Yeah. 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 Well, and then like BlackBerry was mm. just took like Canadian company, shout out to Canada, just took over. And then Died. I, yeah, like the, the, the iPod, like the Apple system just wiped the floor. But you know, there's a, before the BlackBerry took over, the main phone. Holy was. smokes. The first version was released October 23rd, 2001. Mm, like, yeah, well, I've seen how old. Two thousand and one. I've seen how old. I, I think my uh, my in laws have the the first one. 
Yeah. It's a brick. Oh, sorry, but the the first iPods they weren't the the screen. Remember the the here I'm just showing a photo now. They had like a, a little screen, and then you had like the circular thing. The it was an M, it was an MP3 player. Yeah. And then eventually they put a touchscreen on it. The one I forgot about that. Oh, okay. So it was the fir- and then they had the the yeah the iPod Shuffle, and then the Nano iPod Classic iPod. It was the iPod Touch. Yeah. They called it the iPod yeah. Touch. Okay. Yeah. So I, now that's funny. Now when I think of iPod, I entirely think of what is now an iPhone. Like mm-hmm. I think a phone. I don't even think about that. Interesting. So. Do my, they even make more of these anymore? My in-laws have the first one. Yeah. So it's like a brick. You can stand it up properly, I think, because, you know, it's, uh, it's big enough. Yeah. And uh, so there's been many times we've sat into the, you know, in the garden and just been, you know, messing around with it. There's loads of, you know, old old school stuff on there. But, um, well, because you'd have, like, you'd be able to, like, there'd have to be a lighter on it. The, you spin it, your finger on the, it, on the disc. Oh, yeah. oh, before that. Okay, that's even before. So yeah, that has, okay. That has, that's, that's like a, an analog. Yeah. You just, but it's obviously touch sensitive, so you can yeah. actually roll it around. So yeah. So they've still got that. Um, my wife's still got the first iPhone. I'm saying, so you need to get that fixed. That's going to be worth a fortune soon. Mm-hmm. And um, I keep the box and stuff like that. But it did. It jumped a lot from from the... Uh, from the so I remember the cassettes would have been 80s, 90s. And only around about 94 that I think I got my first CD. Mm-hmm. And then the CD's 94 um, till... Did I? I don't really... don't remember when the... The MP3 players coming probably about ten years later, but yeah. now it's not crazy to think that you have to carry a box of CDs with you. Yeah, you well, you'd have them. You have them in the car, right? Like the whole flip mm. book because you didn't didn't bring the box of CDs. You had the little like little yeah, book thing, so you could tie them in the sleeves. Yeah, but like a wallet, and then uh, you know you got to reach over and grab it or drop it. You know if you drop it, or you got to make sure you put the CD back in. And man, it used to just bother me when you take the CD when when CDs weren't in the right mm. cases. You know, some people, you know, the animals that even like they're, you know, like little little GameCube discs or any of the discs when they, they don't put them back in the same uh, case that they're they're supposed to be in. That's when you got to like shuffle through and find everything. But even when you think about like CD, uh, so actually re- real quick, uh, they discontinued them last year. They don't make uh, iPods anymore. No. Last uh, discontinued May 10th, 2022, 10 oh. months ago. So you look at that now and you think, what's coming next? So mm-hmm. you're looking now, like I only read yesterday, or the day before, that Uber don't make any profit. Mm-hmm. But people, venture capitalists, are still putting money into Uber. Yeah. Because one day it's going to make money when they make autonomous vehicles. Yeah, it's <coughs> just uh, data collection right now. Mm-hmm. Easiest way to collect uh, data of, of, of roads, routes. I mean, you could sell that data back to, I mean, really the city, uh, whatever city they're operating in. And then, you know, that'll tell you how quick the routes are or oh you said route mm-hmm. you're right okay um but how quick the now, now i'm self-conscious <laughs> how quick the uh where you're traveling to um is going to be how, that amount of time so they're pretty accurate now with that that's interesting but uh sorry but what i was thinking about uh not just with where they're going is like how they phase everything out like all cars used to have cassette players and then they didn't and they had CD players, and now they have nothing. And then you know you, how you wired them in because now you get like USB C, and then now everything's practically all going to, to Bluetooth, and you just have a USB C thing just to charge your your phone while you're in your car. There was a uh, a guy. I'm trying to think who he is now. I think he's something like a chief executive of Google, or it's one of the big firms. This guy, he's obviously a super super intelligent guy, and he was on a he was on a I can't think what it was now. He was on a talk show. 
Mm. No, he wasn't. He was actually in the Congress and he was explaining something. And you know, obviously, it was something about like obviously privacy and uh, well, it couldn't have been like a chief exec of Facebook, but it was one of the big companies like that, like yeah. super clever companies. And uh, he was raising the concern of that we're going to lose information and data, and we're going to lose things that it's going to be really chronic because you know we're going to we're going to lose the actual so all the information on iPod. It's going to be not be able to use soon because you're not going to be able to charge it. You know, mm-hmm. It's going to basically like technology is going to move on that much that a lot of data is going to be stuck with old technology. Anything that wasn't put on the cloud, yeah, that you can't, yeah, you'll never gone. be able to, you'll never be able to use it again. So it'll be yeah. you know like imagine that you find your old um, your old laptop and on your old laptop it's got lots of pictures of like say kids and stuff like that. And you're like, I need to charge it for this. I can't find a charger because they don't make them anymore. Yeah. So all this actually old stock will eventually like you know it'll be it'll be exposed it'll be so well, depleted. And then it's like, well, I need to charge this thing up. I'm going to charge it. Like, you can't. Obviously, maybe you'll take the memory out. But and he was saying it's a big. I'll have to Google that and come come back to you on that. It was a, it was, a, it was a quite an interesting uh, interesting chat. Yeah, because you you know, it's definitely going to become more difficult. I'm sure they'll have ways to uh, you know, like when you used to burn a CD. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm sure they'll have stuff like that, but it'll be a bit more niche and a bit more specific. I mean, like they probably won't change like power outputs too much, and if they do, you just need an adapter. But um, yeah, because there's stuff created now that will not have a USB, like the you know the USB micro, the thing that they used for mm. most uh, phones, or all phones really, and uh, the uh, like cameras and stuff. You had that little input. Um, there's not a lot of those cables that you can just go out and buy anymore. So even to go out and buy them, you probably have to order them online. Because if there's no one to manufacture them, then no need for them, yeah. So yeah, then. yeah. So we'll see. You know, for now, all hail the USB C. Mm-hmm. Um, the old cords are dead. Yeah, <laughs> technology. So uh, it moves at a long rate, and then you've got now, which is I think is going to be. I mean, some. I'm, as a Steve Jobs quote that says, "If you can't predict the future, but if you look at the dots going backwards, it tells you which way it's going." You know, so mm-hmm. you can kind of get a consensus of you know this mm-hmm. is where we're heading for. And uh, with the Chat GPT now, which I've only just kind of like dug in a little bit too but I mm-hmm. kind of understand how it works and I kind of understand what it does which is quite scary mm-hmm. but I don't think we even understand exactly what it does and it, like if you look back now at the internet when the internet first came out people were like the internet's going to fail it's going to be useless and the New York Times for the first post that they put on on the internet they actually mm-hmm. took a PDF of the newspaper and put it on the internet which is you think about in hindsight that's crazy because the whole point of the internet is live Mm-hmm. You could have just updated the boxes, you know, you could have had the live content on it and they don't just put a, you know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't watch a TV and just put pictures on the TV, would you? You'd put live, you know, live TV on it, the whole thing it's for, so it's a live medium. Mm-hmm. Um, so you look at the, the internet and people didn't know how to use it when it first mm-hmm. came around. And then you're looking at the um, the cryptocurrency and people like, don't, don't it's, you know. Well, yeah, you're talking about, uh, some of it is all like, not the cryptocurrency, but uh, the internet user interfaces. Mm-hmm. And that's what a phone is, right? Like the iPhone, the iPhone in particular, um, like when you look at Android, right? For for a long time, Android phones were like a variety, like of, of try this, try that, two strings, one screen, keypad, all these things, and just testing out different things you could put on your phone and how you want to use it. And then eventually, um, you know, the Mac would uh, would take, you know, oh, we like this or we like that and, and put them into the, the iPhone. And you can sort of, like, how, how, like, you can improve the camera, you can improve a couple things, but it's not like it was back when it was the Wild West when they first were having these smartphones. You know, 
what what more can you bring to the table that someone actually wants? Because it's all fine and dandy if you put like a thumb scanner, but you know we're 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 at the point now where we know like we want a fingerprint scanner that's not on the back. Mm. Like I had one, I think it, you, the fingerprint scanner was like on the back of Galaxy. a phone. Uh, no, I don't think so. I never bought a, a to- I've never had a top of the line phone before. Always like um, some sort of discount uh, Android. The only time I had uh, I had an iPhone. I was a work phone back when I used to work for Canadian uh, Pacific in Canada. And I I, I never really liked uh, Apple um, just because, like, you know, I was the type of person who liked a lot of modularity. And, and then I just try an Apple one one time and use it for a while. And it's just their operating system and how to use it is just so easy. Mm-hmm. Well, so that's, that's why it gets you hooked. Because you don't want to, you become familiar. Yeah. Well, with Apple, there is a lot uh, they don't lose people to Android like if you do like a, a market study of like who's using Apple anything like there's a lot of people who will you know they'll, they'll leave Android and try Apple products but there's not a lot of people who leave Apple to mm. go back to you know Android and and Windows and stuff I you know I don't know about Windows um, I'm I still like I really like Windows I think Windows is really easy to use I don't find when I have to when I had to do something on like my wife's Mac I, I didn't really like it very much, but phones in particular it was just it, it streamlined easy to use I don't even know how to describe it there's not like a, a vignette that that I could like like sometimes I say like really good engineering is thankless because you just don't even think about it so and I I had no complaints about the operating system so on the, I, on the I've, iPhone I've got um my wife I think my wife has just disrespects me, I think, because Uh-oh. also less respect for me because I use an Android phone. Yeah, I think if I, I think she would think that was pretty uncool because that's where they are. But I mean, obviously, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not that co- uh, close-minded. So I had a, I had an iPhone four, about 2010, mm-hmm. and uh, it was great, worked really well. You know, it was kind of on the bridge of them becoming really smartphones, really. Mm-hmm. So it was great. You know, it was I uh, do lots of things on it. But one of the things that I got, which put me off iPhone, mm-hmm. was I got a, a Mac. Mm-hmm. Mac. I think it was a Mac 2012, mm-hmm. um, big brick, you know, like they were still bricky. It was uh, the bottoms heavy, and I think they discontinued that about 2017. Mm-hmm. So it was like, it was a really like archaic piece of, and it, I just didn't like the, the way it worked. I thought it was mm-hmm. really poor. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, that actually put me off buying a, a more recent, up to date Mac. You know, mm-hmm. I just didn't like the phone, it just, just felt horrible. Um, mm-hmm. So that's probably put me off. Apple, and I, but I'm probably considering now. So what I've got is I've got, I've got an Oppo, which has got the same specification as the the Galaxy, the one with the pen, <coughs> the S twenty two. I can't remember now because it used to be the know. Note back in the day. Remember they had the you had the yeah, Galaxy, yeah. then you had the Note. And they all so caught fire. I think they changed yeah. the name after. <laughs> I put one in the tumbled uh, the washing machine and washed everything. Oh yeah, nasty. Yeah. Kids are years worth of kids photographs. Oh. So I um. This one, anyway, this has got like loads of spec, but it doesn't quite integrate as well with applications because it's probably looking for an Android, which is probably a Samsung, and it's probably more biased to, to, to Apple. So mm-hmm. there's a few things on it that are a little bit, it's, I mean, it's good enough phone, but there's a little bits and bobs that don't kind of, uh, not seamless. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the Apple, like you said, you get that seamless um, integration with everything, interface with it all. But I find it to be very kind of like, it, like someone said, nobody uses the internet anymore. You all use applications on the internet. You don't mm-hmm. use the internet. So and this is an app for me. Apple is just one big application mm-hmm. in with, with sub applications on it. So I always feel a little bit con- constricted by that. Now whether you want whether you want not to be blissfully constricted, you know, like the Matrix, blissful ignorance. You know, yeah. want to be able to just have it all there. You know, or whether you want to be able to freedom to go and like 
do other things. But yeah, I didn't like that with Apple. I was uh, I was the the constraints on it. But then you know, how many parameters do you need? Mm-hmm. So maybe I'm they, considering. I think they also just they just they try to keep improving, mm. right? So they'll the things that we didn't like about it five years ago. They're they're trying to improve. So cool. why don't why don't we take a quick break? Because um, I already used washing, yep. and then uh, we'll come back to it. <clears throat> okay, that was the first um, first you know, pee break that uh, it's <laughs> ever taken. <laughs> Has ever been taken on this podcast? So we were uh, we're making history, breaking yep. new ground. And we're not drinking alcohol either, so it's alcohol-free podcast. Normally, yeah. normally that's yeah. a that's a sign of a of, of a drinking session, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? Uh, for 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 sake of uh, canon, we'll just say that uh, no one's ever drinking on this podcast. It would be an interesting, and there never will be. It would be an interesting <laughs> one to see, you know, from because uh, you play the feedback mm-hmm. to actually start the day talking about you know sensible things and then drink and see where you go drink until you passed out yeah. just oh. see how bad it got at the end you know <laughs> just to say, say every every uh every 15 minutes you did a shot of tequila yeah until you literally passed out you know? uh well that'd t- probably take a while like one shot every 15 minutes that's for an hour yeah uh, probably after three hours you probably want to speed that up you probably want to do like one every 10 minutes yeah six, maybe six shots and then see i, the I feel could do it for scientific purposes. Yeah, for science, obviously. Yeah, not for enjoyment. Science is it's interesting, isn't it? Because as, as I think as you get older now, you start seeing like. So for me, science was you know the the the, the, the COVID thing. So the COVID thing, the science. They go, ah, this is a, a you know a doctor. He's you know he's the chief doctor. Blah blah blah. You must wear a mask. You must do this. You must do that. And then we realize that a little bit down the line, it's uh, it's all it's all uh, it's all bullshit. <laughs> you know, so it's like so. This is a medical professor, and he's yeah. telling you this, and then you go to another medical professor, and you get a different, you know, different. Yeah. Obviously, there's 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 a logic behind science that you know they should all be on the same narrative, but even then, the narrative becomes very corrupt. Like well, there will, yeah. So I think really what you're discussing is more less science and more science communication. Yeah, well, Sci- science communication really did, was not handled very well. Um, I think there's a should have been a lot more emphasis on. Um, transparency and honesty about like where we're at what we know and then uh, you know like something that i think about a lot is uh i mean some people might find this a bit barbaric but if if i was if this if, if covid was a lot worse and i saw someone face down in the ditch on my way to work i would probably turn around and go home mm. like if i re- like i don't really i think maybe there's one person that i know about in in some relation to me that might have passed away but even then i'm not really sure because of covid but i i really don't know anyone and i think that you know i think people are when when you talk about like incentives like economic incentives of like going to work and how important getting that right is i think there's also like health health incentives around a lot of this. Like I, th- I think if it was worse and we knew it was, op- you know, the unfortunate thing, right, is someone has to die first before people make decisions to correct it. Mm. Um, but I, I think in reality, like I, a lot of people are saying, oh, if we ever have an actual one, we're going to run into all these issues. It's like, well, well, no, because the issue is that people will die and then people will see that people are dying and then they will really quickly stop taking risks. But did you not see? And this is where uh, I was. I was leading to was that. So, you know, as you when you're a kid and you think that people are sensible, so you look f- look to older people and you think mm-hmm. well, these people know better. They're older than me. They're more mm-hmm. mature. 
And as times in my life, as I've got older, I've realized those older people are crazy. You know, like as you get older and you're on the same level as them, like mm-hmm. you know, parents of your friends, you know, uh, you're like, this, this guy used to think was a was an adult, you know, and then you realize that he's not, maybe he's a little bit mad. And they all get divorced or they all, have, you know, and he's like, yeah. so, like oh, even, even within, and I'm not talking about medical science right now. I'm just talking about science in general. Like, you know, how, what we think about like, oh, you know, uh, atoms and stuff. Quite often what happens is you don't, actually have a new discovery and then everyone in the field changes their mind you have a new discovery the new generation of scientists embrace the new discovery the old guard doesn't and then just gets phased out and i think that also happens like in 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 the workplace in a sense too you know you you come up and you got all these good ideas but then the old guard may not be interested in implementing them you now implement them as they leave so it's not it's not like all of a sudden oh the like i mean i'll just use railroad as an example i don't have a specific example of a change that was implemented aside from like safety actually maybe it is safety you know you had all these people saying hey we should really look at safety a little bit differently and then the old guard's like no that's not important you know if you make me like if i wear what were some of the stuff if i wear gloves or if i wear a hard hat i'll be less safe mm. like like real interest like a seatbelt will actually harm you more like seatbelts are a perfect example if i wear a seatbelt oh it'll actually harm me more i shouldn't be wearing a seatbelt um like people were fighting safety and i don't actually think it's that all everyone woke up i think what happened was the the newer people that started driving or started in the railroad or any industry where safety is now extremely important they kind of saw how safety was a lot more important embraced it and you just and you just had the old guard that was against safety age out i I, and i think the same actually i've been told it's very similar among the science communities you you don't actually have a complete change it's a slow phase in of like people coming and leaving it's culture it's the culture has to you have to change the the so you have a a, a, you know a, a body of liquid and then the more that liquid expels and the more you place it with different liquid eventually that liquid's going to become more so that the, 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 you know the one that's feeding into it and it's the one that's being ripped out of it so that's a really good analogy but you've so you've got two sides of this so that's why i see two sides yeah. and, I, and i read something really good about this so so what you have is you have uh these people that come into an industry so like so obviously there's, there's the uh, there's, there's comments there's ones that are there's obviously a, there's, a, there's a, a scale of scope of this right so there's the seatbelt, which is common sense, if you strap someone in a car, it's safer than if they go through a window. So that's one. That's yeah. a real. That's a that's a low hanging fruit. But when you've got the rest of the things and you've got stuff that's maybe not that obvious, what you have is, and this was a really good thing I was reading a few weeks ago. So you have people that come into the industry, and they're full of new ideas and they're full of, um, but they're coming into it. So you go into the medical profession, you go into the science profession now, which is not the science from the Richard Feynman days like fifty years ago, where they were just creative. They were given grants and said, "Go and do what you want." Yeah. When it starts to become like this is documented now, we want to see what the taxpayers' money is getting you. Yeah. So what they did is so that become very similar to the medical profession, where it's a narrative. So like if you want to go down the route of saying, and I, I had experience of this years ago, there was a, a, a doctor called Professor Tim Notes, yeah. and he wanted to do a low carb diet, and he was telling people to do this, and it's and the actual uh, medical profession tried to strip him of his license because he was preaching that wasn't the same as the the narrative. But the narrative about sugar and blah 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 goes back to like you know papers in the seventies about Monsanto and stuff like that, and it was mm-hmm. all about farming and agriculture and how much that influenced with its funding, how much it influenced diets and why people were getting fat in America. Basically. Yeah, yeah. So he was coming up with some valid points, and they were saying you're against the narrative, so we're going to shut you down. Yeah. So what you have is you have people that come into them into the professions, and they might go, okay, I've got all these ideas, so they don't speak up because they're young. 
So then they don't speak up for the next 10 years and then they don't speak up for the next 20 years. And when they get to that point where they're 30 years into the career and you think that now they get to a point where they can speak up, they actually don't. No, I don't think so, they do. Because they're so, they're yeah. so, that becomes them, that, that they have been yeah. evolved into that way that they don't yeah. get to the, the top of the tree and go, now what I'm going to do is, it's a bit like people when they are, they work hard all their life and they save money. Mm-hmm. And they go, I'm going to save money, I'm going to save money, save money, because one day I'm going to spend it all. When they get to that point when they're rich and they go, oh, guess what? I don't want to spend it now because yeah. I'm so ingrained in this way of thinking yeah. that if you know that you are that you become you become the problem. Yeah, you become like yeah. a, a broke horse. So you yeah, might be yeah, capable yeah. of a lot. I, something that I I think about and I kind of tell people about is like you know what what really separates humans from you know the, the animals is that our ability to change our environment is like nothing else. Like you know, yep. beavers can build dams, um, birds can build nests. But we can build cities. We can you can harness energy like blow them up. And yeah, and and even you right now, right? Like, let's say you wanted to, you you could if you wanted to go into your bedroom and take every piece of furniture and turn it upside down. Very very strange, but you could. Hmm. You know, and I say that I could, but the chances of me doing that are like the probability of me doing that is actually incredibly low. Partly because of inconvenience, but also because I like the order that it's already in. And so when you're at work. Uh, or just, I, th- I think a lot of people, uh, maybe that's not a really good in, uh, analogy per se, but they might not like the way something is, but they won't speak out mm. and, and, and they won't fix it or they want someone, sometimes sometimes it's amazing how when people go for advice, what they really want is someone to tell them what to do. You're not actually searching for advice. Like we, we're capable of so much, but we end up incapable of, of doing the, the actual changing of the environment. And if you... You know, I'm a big believer that people don't actually rise to the occasion. They sink to their lowest form of training. And if you've been taught or you've taught yourself to keep your mouth shut so that you don't get hammered when you're in all these meetings and you're not trying to improve things, when you finally get to this position, like there's always going to be someone above you. Mm. Um, And even when if you're the CEO, now you respond to uh, shareholders. So I, I I don't see why you would all of a sudden learn a new skill such as you know delegating or um in, in inspiring or or any of the things that you want to see change i don't see why you would actually do that unless you have some practice well, doing that before you're there you think about it if you look at cryptocurrency and yeah. how how divisive that's been over the last 10 years yeah if you look at the people that are totally against it look at warren buffett now the reason why i think what i might be wrong this is my outside you know opinion on things uneducated opinion mm-hmm. but look at warren buffett now the the financial industry has been really, really good to him. He's mm-hmm. mastered it. So he knows this old model of, you know, commerce and mm-hmm. buying and selling and stuff. And then he sees cryptocurrency come in and he's 90 years old. Mm-hmm. Imagine 90 years old and he's going, that's not my model. That's not the model I'm familiar with. Mm-hmm. So for me, is he is he against it because he doesn't like it or is he against it because it's, it's disruptive to what he's known his whole life, you know? I think... His, uh, I've been trying to do some learning and stuff on like, you know, the stock market and stuff, nothing crazy, just value investing level stuff. But his philosophy is is not necessarily about finance. It's more about uh, when you invest, you want to invest in an asset that is productive. And his big thing with crypto is actually just that crypto doesn't, as it stands right now, doesn't really create anything you know a a oil company create you know pulls oil out of the ground refines it and creates something furniture company or or a banking company provides a service now will crypto 
like a, a crypto company be able to end up providing a service for sure. You got Coinbase, you got a couple other companies that will buy and sell and work as a brokerage for crypto. And then you got the, the coin itself. Um, the, you know, cause, cause he also doesn't like gold mm. and, and gold is even more old than him. And there's still people who love to buy and hold gold or silver. It's the, basically the hedging against inflation of money. That's all the, the gold is a hedge against inflation of money and money. is Yeah. But the, the thing is, is that you never, if you buy an S and P 500 index or even just like a not very good company, you, you'd be, you'd, for the last hundred years, you'd be gold all the time, yeah, cause or, it, or silver, because it's 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 productive. Yeah, well, if you look at obviously the the, the Bitcoin is is the gold, mm-hmm. but you look at the the layer two and layer three, mm-hmm. um, cryptos, and they're about ecosystems, mm-hmm. so they are technically their own. Um, you know, they in in ways they they self fund and they build projects. So they're basically, what they are, whereas the internet was like the air and people could travel through it, you know, mm-hmm. like or use it. And the, for me, crypto seems a bit like the sea. It's a thicker, denser, you know, it's a denser field of mm-hmm. things that you actually build on it physical things. That I know they're physical that they're in. Well, it's it's not the crypto, it's the um it's the blockchain technology. Mm-hmm. Like that 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 technology, I don't think you can argue and say that like it's it's like the same thing like for me, like the uh, blockchain technology would be like uh, you know, C plus plus coding or, or something like that. Like it's a it's a it's a thing that you 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 do or you use or you write in or, or you can you can use it to create out of it. Um, maybe that's not a, a very good well, example. If you think about it this way, so you you look at the richest men in the world, go mm-hmm. back like 50, 60 years ago. The richest men in the world were people that built software. You know, soft software. Bill, Bill Gates, Sorry, yeah. Before Bill Gates, so you've got yeah. like Dell, Hewlett Packard, Apple. So they build the actual the, the things. Yeah, right? IBM. IBM, IBM, massive Perfect company. Goes, go, well, now, yeah. now IBM they're is, failing. No, no, they're, they're back up now because what they do now, they're cloud-based. Yeah. So they're not actually built, making anything that's, you know, but IBM, massive company, yeah. hundreds of years old. Um, they had a resurrection over the last 10 years, haven't they, really, from 2012. The mm-hmm. lady that was, uh, I was listening, reading the book on her, what was her name, Italian name. Um, so she was the old CEO, and I was there's a good book about when she's talking about the, how she changed IBM around and how they went. Oh, up. she was just on uh, the Lex Friedman oh, podcast. Yeah, begins with W R and R, I think. Anyway, so but interesting lady, how she and how they, they changed. But so you have the, the it's interesting to think, and this is where you like if you say if you do the dots backwards, maybe you can project forward. So you have Dell, you have Packard, all these you know these people that built these systems, and then. The richest man in the world came about was a guy that built software for the hardware, yeah. which became um, Microsoft. Yeah. And then you create which the next richest man in the world was the guy that built the applications on the systems. So that yeah. that guy became um, oh, Jeff, Jeff Bezos. Oh, Bezos. So yeah. You think so, but, so without yeah. without without uh, Microsoft and, and various things, you wouldn't have Apple. Uh, so you wouldn't have uh, Amazon. Mm-hmm. So it's like a layer of cake going up. Mm-hmm. So you got the hardware, the software, the applications on it. Mm-hmm. And then you're looking now, like, so I kind of look at that as an evolution of things. So what's next? Mm-hmm. Probably AI on top of all them things to do more for you. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. if you're looking at where, where we're going now, we're heading into AI crazy. Um, but the cryptocurrency stuff for me, it just looks like a natural evolution of a of, of financial system. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially because financial systems fail massively mm-hmm. and also because financial systems fail in third world countries mm-hmm. so you look at zimbabwe you look at um is it venezuela mm-hmm. you look at um argentina like the mm-hmm. pesos unless it's the dollar and well in fact the dollar might be failing now we're, look, we're looking at 
maybe World War Three because you you've got the Chinese going to Brazil and mm-hmm. saying we'll trade on our normal currency. So it's not going to be the dollar is not backed by anything anymore, but it was backed by trade. Yeah, fiat, fiat, yeah. So with the dollar now is backed, well, it was backed by petrodollars. Now China and Russia are trading their own money. Mm-hmm. So everyone trading dollars, so give the some kind of peg, you know, mm-hmm. to, to, to it was pegged against the market. So, and obviously my, my knowledge is quite small, but when you look at cryptocurrency, you say, okay, well, cryptocurrency, if I'm going to trade with Canada, I'm going to, I've got to change my money all the time. There's no internet money. And we have well, the it's like it's like Swift, right? Like Swift is a system that they use to to move money around. Yeah, but you, you but you still, got, you still got to change that money. Yeah. What I'm talking about. So, say for instance, now you have one, you have a you have a you have a digital money for a digital environment. Mm-hmm. We're trying we're trying to make fiat money digital, and it's mm-hmm. it's not quite. Yeah. No. The, like I'm not. I I don't disagree that the blockchain, uh, like that, that technology can be used productively. I just I don't um. I was just mentioning what I think Warren Buffett thinks on all this, but like the, you know, the, a a a scythe used in farming that's just sitting there not doing anything isn't very productive. But how you use the scythe can make you significantly more productive. So it's it's the technology. So I, the the cryptocurrency in and of itself may not be uh, inherently productive, but how you use it can be so extremely productive. Well, I think that's when you're looking at Warren Buffett saying, okay, it's not productive. So if you buy for instance, if you are, he doesn't. He doesn't want you holding fiat either. He doesn't want yeah. you holding fiat. He doesn't want you holding crypto, and he but, doesn't want you holding gold. But he's been quite. He's been quite um, derogatory towards it. And in my mind, it's okay. So you've got an old system that burns wood, and now you go say, well, we're going to burn something different. It's it's an evolution of a, of a of a system, and it's like if you look at now the way money's used. Obviously, now in your bank, you get paid in numbers in the bank anyway. So it's kind of already there, you know, from a, yeah. from, a, from a crypto. It's just obviously the blockchain is slightly different, but. When you look at like how money is still archaic and it's like it's never evolved. So mm-hmm. you look now at the system, so cars are evolving to electric cars. You look at how many systems are evolved, the Apple mm-hmm. now is now in the in the cloud and it's it's all your music's mm-hmm. all online. But money has never changed. Okay, it went digital, but it's never well, ever you can, changed from you, its you can money is a representation of value. And I love value systems. Yeah. And so you're I wouldn't say that money hasn't changed out because it, it, it did from being gold back to now fiat, but value doesn't really change. Yeah, but and so we're going to, I agree with you though, that there's, there's, a, I think there probably would be a very good niche that you could use blockchain technology to better resen- represent value than, um, uh, than, than fiat money. Yeah, the money. And that's what I think where, yeah. where, where, when he was talking about it in a negative way, I was like, well, it's, it's not, it's not a business. It's, mm-hmm. it's not a business. You're looking at, you're looking at a different medium, mm-hmm. a different medium of, of exchange. You know, mm-hmm. like, so, okay, if I pay you in, in Bitcoin and it doesn't, it, it, it's not uh, inflating, then it's, you know that your Bitcoin is going to be worth more in the future. Mm-hmm. And this is where the governments and co- so what, cause you've got money is attached to, to a government. Yeah. The government then can, can bend that money and, and you know, they can put, dilute it they can yeah. more. whereas if it's something it's independent from and you can remember so what, what, what and this is why I, I, I quite like enjoy it so if i if i pay you i have to pay you in dollars and that's so i and i have to pay you into a bank yeah so why do you why do i have to do that why can't i pay you directly well you could you just give me uh you know cash well i can but your company and work won't do that they still pay you into a bank which is regulated by government yeah so i mean so you have to if i there's a there's a great story this guy says uh so he goes into a, uh, goes into a, for an interview. This it's, it's a hypothetical mm-hmm, situation. Mm-hmm. So he goes into this into this um, for an interview. Yeah. To be a cleaner. Mm-hmm. 
and the company says, okay, yeah, I'll give you the job, Jaden. You got the job, you know, you're a good guy. You seem like you've got like, you know, your wits about you. So, uh, you know, you need to fill this in. So you need to put your bank details down here before we can give you the job. And the guy goes, I haven't got a bank. Mm-hmm. So he goes, how are you, you going to get a job if you've not got a bank? He says, I haven't got a bank. So, so you can't have the job. So on the way home, he takes his last bit of money that this guy's got. And he goes, uh, I'm going to buy some oranges and apples on the way home. And he buys mm-hmm. so many oranges and apples and he starts selling them. Mm-hmm. Starts off selling, then he starts selling more, and he does around people's houses, and he starts building, 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 building. And after a few months, he's got a business going. He starts employing some other people, so he's taken, you know, from the farms, and he starts, he starts getting a bit of commerce going. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few years later, he's uh, now this basically this um, this uh, this um, company's set up, and it's it's big. So then he goes into a, I can't think it was a bank somewhere, and he says, you know, the guy says something like, I can't remember. I'm actually going to tail off the end. Of the guy goes, uh, hey, have you got a bank? And he goes, no, I've got a bank. He goes, well, so, you know, what do you mean you haven't got a bank? He said, uh, I can't remember, at the end of it, I'll have to send you the thing. So he goes, uh, mm-hmm. he goes, just think if you'd have had a bank, where you would be now. Yeah. And the guy goes, I'd be cleaning floors. Yeah. So the whole point of the, you know, not following the same trend of, of what was always was, sometimes can be more beneficial in the future. But the whole point of like, you have to subscribe to this, you have to have a bank. So you take that idea to, to and that was just like a, a story or something, like it was a joke story. But yeah, if yeah. you take that to Africa now, yeah. There's African people that don't have credit scores and don't have banks. Yeah. So when they go to a bank and they say, I want I want to uh, borrow some money because I need to buy a new tractor or I need to buy this and I can upgrade this land, they say, okay, well, because you haven't got a credit score and because you haven't got any money, we're going to give you a massive high interest on this loan because mm-hmm. you've got no history. Yeah. But I can't get any history if I haven't got a bank. You know, so, things, so it's like a vicious circle now. Yeah, you've got yeah. to buy and sell to get, you've got to buy and sell to get a history. So, And I think... Uh, Real quick, though, I think that story about the bank is more about having a job versus starting a business. Um, but no, I, having a way to store and move value that's not tied yes. to a bank, that's not tied to a government, I th- like that can make the system inherently more efficient. And the fact that it's fact-checked, like the, the blockchain itself is fact-checked by a ton of people. I, like, I think like there's... Buying and holding like the, the the cryptocurrency, and then there's you know if if DocuSign starts using this technology to verify documents or signatures on documents, I think now you would have someone like Warren Buffett or someone who likes to invest in businesses would be very interested. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know, uh, it's transparent. Which yeah, it yeah. Makes it, makes it yeah, valuable. yeah. The the, the t- I think the technology itself will continue to develop, and I think I definitely think that's the way of the future. Well, you look at value, so and it's I relate to my my, cre- my 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 job. So everything we have to do has to be current, yeah, relevant, yeah, valid, yeah, and authentic, yeah. And that's because you got to remember that's a value system. So if I'm going to give you a qualification, mm-hmm. what makes that qual- what makes you say? Well, imagine I want to just sign this, Jade, and I'm going to give you this qualification for free. You go, well, it's not worth anything because I've got the skills. So the idea that then then all the backing that backs that up to that, we're very similar to a ledger. We're very similar to a bank or like a checkbook. Mm-hmm. You can write a check with someone, but it's only worth what you have behind it in a system that gives it value. Yeah. So this thing is a system which is transparent. Everyone can see it, and it's independent, and it's not run by anybody. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the blockchain runs itself. Mm-hmm. Through, through, through so many nodes, it becomes decentralized. Yeah. So it's not owned by anyone. Somebody yeah. can't fiddle with it and change it. So I like that side of it, and th- but the thing is like that, that that always being centralized and always going down that route of um, this, the status quo of okay, well you must have a bank, you need to set up a bank now, mm-hmm. you need to go into the world, you need to set up a bank, you work for a company, that company pays you. So even if you are an entrepreneur and you are, you're still linked to a bank, you know, you still pay your wages to a bank. So imagine if you were like say Elon Musk and he went, guess what? 
everyone in my company now is going to have a wallet mm-hmm. and I'm going to transfer their salary in Bitcoin to their wallet every month. Mm-hmm. That's taking away that bank that, 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 that what we're, yeah, cut someone out. We're, we're always, we're always tied to that and we're always, we're always tied to that. And we always have been through my life mm-hmm. apart from before digitalization. So my dad used to get a wallet or an envelope with a salary. Yeah. Like, so many corruption could have gone on there. There's always somebody, you know, mm-hmm. just moving around with paper money. Um, and so you look now at, the, at this banking system. Why do we have to go through a bank to get paid? Why do we have to be attached? It's like as if you always have your, you know. So um, our you company. you probably still could get checks though, or 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 if you negotiated or talk with someone because like for like I think about like uh, working at CP right. Our 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 laborers, our union guys. Some of them didn't have email. We couldn't force them to get an email. We can't really. You know, I think the only thing we can really request is something like a phone. Yeah, they'd, they'd, they'd have to have a bank, uh, I think. But I'm sure if we wanted to, we could just pay them with a check. Or I don't know how that works in the UK at the moment. But what what, what I was going to say is, would, would you rather be paid through a bank or through, a, through your own wallet? Oh, yeah, I definitely would prefer the own wallet. Because if you think about it now, we're, we're, we're very fortunate because we're, we're Western people, right? So mm-hmm. if we are based in our, our, our village where we used to stay, if you look at payday and you go into the top row, there's an exchange. And that top row, people are paying uh, migrant um, people from India and stuff like that. So they get a lesser salary. Yeah. They, they're doing, you know, doing the labor work. They go on the top road and they, they only need to transfer their money from the bank in the UAE to their family. Yeah, home. that's a really good. And there's a lot of fees yeah. on that. I mean, for us now, there's still a fee, but that mm-hmm. fee is, is diluted by the fact that we earn a, a larger salary. Mm-hmm. So these people are now sending money back home and they lose a high percentage on that money. So they're sending it back home to the bank and then the people have to draw that money out of the bank. So, you know, these people are always, uh, are always um, worse off for that. Mm-hmm. So if we could now pay me into my wallet, so you pay me directly, mm-hmm. I pay my wife back in philippines mm-hmm. she draws that she goes to the shop and pays on her phone you know so yeah. all she needs is a phone and what we're really what we're really describing too is uh Young no moving value mm. through the internet instead of through a swift mm. uh system through a series of of uh banking uh bureaucracies um as well as like government oversight your there's a lot of middlemen because even like the swift system itself is like you you might you might be moving money to canada but you might end up sending it to a few different places before it gets there or some other money being moved around i'm, I'm not going to take the time to describe it all right now but the really like the the cryptocurrency in itself like the ability to move value instantly and change over the internet you know because you know look at email right Email said instead of going through the post office, mm-hmm. I'm going to send my letter through the internet. I so wonder how much an email costs. That's a really good question compared to a letter. Yeah. So think about it this way. Yeah. So you are now. Um, I'll, I'll put it to. So I don't think we've really been impacted because we've grown up in this 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 way of living. Mm-hmm. Now I I like banks in one way. So 1970, I go to the bank and I say to the bank, I want to borrow some money. And they go, hi, John. How's your father? How's mm-hmm. your how's your how's your uh, your mother? How's things going? How's everything? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You knew your banker. You knew your banker. It was a fa- it was a family oriented. Yeah. Now it's all online. I don't well, know anyone. Well, this is the thing. <laughs> my so bank. I I wanted to transfer money a while back. I think it was like ten years ago, mm-hmm. probably less, probably eight years ago. And I needed to transfer a certain amount of money to buy a house. Yeah. So I said to the banker, 
He said, well, what we'll do is we are, I had a personal banker, but in the UK, I needed to transfer money as well. So I transferred money back home. I had a personal banker give me a little bit more, you know, special treatment. So I transferred this large amount of money to the UK. I then need to transfer that money from my English bank because obviously it needs to be, you know, there needs to be checks and balances on it. I transfer that money then to the, lo- the solicitor to buy the, and I remember saying to the guy, listen, you can only transfer so much money. And I went, well, can you change my allowance to transfer or my, my, you know, my, uh, my, 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 whatever it was that they give you, they give you an allowance per, you know, day to transfer. Mm-hmm. So I said, uh, they said, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll increase that for you. We know why you're doing it. It's a one-off payment. You send this payment to the solicitor. Uh, two, 18 months ago, mm-hmm. I was in the Merfolk Hotel. Yeah. And I go online and I'm logging into the HSBC. I am banking with the HSBC and my mortgages with the HSBC. Yeah. So it's all in, it's all into in the same pot, yeah. you know. So this is, I'm using a, a, a approved um, solicitor. Mm-hmm. So I needed to transfer a large sum of money. Mm-hmm. So it goes down this list that goes, what are you transferring the money for? Uh, and it, one of the categories was, are you buying a house? So, you know, houses cost a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So I go, they gave me the mortgage offer, the HSBC, by the way, and they said, you need to put 25% down as a deposit because mm-hmm. you're overseas, it's a risky, blah, yeah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I transfer this money and it goes, reject, it failed. <laughs> okay, do it again, do it again, do it again. Yeah. No, I need to get that money to the solicitor within two days. Yeah. So I'm like, it's 75,000 pounds. Yeah. So I'm going, holy smokes. Yeah, that's a lot of money. Yeah. So I'm like, if I don't do that, I can't complete the house. Mm-hmm. So I phone up the bank, it takes an hour on the phone. I managed to get through, it's costing me a fortune. And I said to the guy, I need to transfer money. You can't transfer money. I was like, but can you just change my allowance for this day? I'm just going to transfer this to my bank. I'm transferring it from my bank to my solicitor, who's going to then, it's, you see I've got a mortgage offer, you see why I'm doing it, you can see yeah. The, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. the, you know, the, 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 There's no mystery here. No, no, just, you can see that, you know, so it's, com- but it was computer says no. Yeah. So that's when I realized, this isn't my money. This is not my money in the bank. Yeah. So I can't take 75,000 pounds of my hard-earned money to pay for something that is legitimately traceable. Well, try, try and take 75,000 pounds out of the bank in person. Yeah, yeah, you're not going to be able to do I've it. I've had some crazy stories about that as well. Pa- people panic and go, "No, we've never seen this before," you know. And um, yeah, we haven't got that money here. Like, whoa, you haven't got the money. It's like, and that's the case. If everyone went to draw the money out, you, they haven't got. The well, money. That's that's uh, just what happened with the Silicon Valley Bank. Yeah, they did a run on the bank, and then they didn't have everything. Yeah. That was a really interesting story because they they bought a bunch of um, they bought a bunch of treasury bonds because and they thought that the treasury bonds weren't going to increase uh their in like the that the u.s government was going to increase their rates because the u.s government said that they weren't going to increase the interest rate and then obviously because of inflation they had to but instead of buying uh, a a diverse array of bonds so some that closed within a year some that closed within 10 years some that closed within six months apparently they bought too many long-ish term bonds and then when bond prices, uh, sorry, when the interest rates went up, um, the bonds, if you wanted to sell them immediately, the the value goes down because why would I buy your bond at 3% if I can get a new bond from the government at 4%? Mm-hmm. Um, so that the intric- intrinsic value of the bond depreciated. And because of that, they, they ended up having to like, uh, to cover the certain amount of money that they have to have in the bank that sell some at a loss. So that they could just have liquid cash to, Buy to, the to co- cover things, um, they they could have done that too, um, but they would have been better off holding their bonds for as long as they could. But then, I think someone got word of this or something, and then you know rumors started to spread that they didn't have a lot of money on hand, and then then a ran run on the bank started, and then as soon as it started, like they just lost uh, a, a lot of value. Um, 
because of the bonds that they bought uh, weren't over a diverse range of years and months. But anyways, with that, I think uh, I think it's about time to, to wrap this up. You got any last minute thoughts or comments? No, but it's uh, obviously I think uh, I'd like to do it again. I yeah, it'd be interesting for sure. because it's the first time I've done this and it was yeah. a little bit um, wasn't it wasn't intimidating, but it was it was un- it was just, you know, it's not often that you do new things. Yeah. So it'd be good to reflect on it and it was interesting as well. And you know, it'd be good to have certain topics to talk. About. I think it was just a little bit uh, off the cuff today. Wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like the off the cuff nature. Sometimes it helps to at least have one or two topics Um so that if I don't know what to talk about, I can just try and switch into another topic really quickly. And then uh, the trouble though is when you start having a list of topics, you feel like you have to mm-hmm. hit each topic, mm-hmm. and or you know if you do go, you know, so maybe like a couple. But I find myself yeah, yeah. digressing on a certain topic and can get lost in it. So I, yeah, I, I think the structure is good. But it's yeah, it's an, an interesting, um, interesting to to do. And thank you very much. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for coming on. And for sure, yeah, we'll do this again uh, in a couple months, or. Maybe sooner or maybe longer. Doesn't matter. Whenever we want. Cool. There's no, uh, no rules. All right. Bye-bye. Cheers, mate.